0: He Shoots, He Draws podcast is sponsored by Westcott in association with JP Distribution. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design with your hosts, Glynn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hi and welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws. This is episode number 19. We're cracking on through these, Glenn. <laughs> Uh We've been away for a few days over in the States, uh, a couple of conferences, but uh, we're now back in Blighty.
1: Yeah, we've been at Photoshop World, well, both of us were at Photoshop World all of last week. I got back on Sunday, so I'm kind of just over the jet lag now. But this is your first day back because you went on for a couple of days to New Orleans to some kind of design conferencing.
0: Yeah, that's right. I went to an event called Creative Pro, which is in New Orleans, which was a really interesting place. Um, so I got back this morning. So I'm not entirely sure how many hours i've been awake but but i was hanging hanging today but we've got we've got a commitment we've got to get an episode out because we, we love doing this absolutely so um we got we got a special one this week as well
1: yeah we've um we're gonna put out an episode very soon talking about what we actually uh, got up to last week because there's quite a lot to talk about with that one definitely but this episode we didn't want to wait any longer because we obviously did a few interviews while we were out at photoshop world and one in particular was with the legendary Joe McNally, who I am—I I know, I speak for us both here, incredibly proud to be able to call him a friend now because of this whole industry. So, yeah, Joe, we went out for breakfast with him a couple of times. And on this particular morning, he came back to our room and we had a proper he shoots, he draws Joe McNally uncovered chat yeah
0: <laughs> it was very good it was just such an honor to like have people like joe we also interviewed aaron blaze while we were away and that's going to be an upcoming episode but um yeah for now we just really wanted to get this joe mcnally one out because uh, i think you're going to enjoy it
1: yeah so i guess let's just get on with it dave and let's just go with the usual intro of joe who are you well, that's a question that's um, uh, been posed many times, Glenn.
2: Um Happy to be here. First off, thank you, guys. And uh, okay. I basically been a, by and large, freelance. I had a couple of stints as staff photographer at a couple of places, but I've been mostly a freelance photographer for 40 years and uh, still am. That's That's kind of, it's a simple way of describing it, but it's really accurate. I'm a photographer and that's what i do and continue to do mm-hmm.
1: we uh obviously we, we kind of got to know each other all of us did through the the kelby one the photoshop world kind of thing and i i um i always remember from when i first got involved in this whole thing your name was always being mentioned you know it's like you were kind of way up there on this kind of you know pinnacle of like joe MacNallan. and i always remember somebody, i think it was scott saying to me that you you are viewed as literally the hardest working photographer out there So we are going to jump jump around with topics and stuff like that, but one of the things I kind of wanted to get in there first of all was, because because you do seem to be working so hard and constant, and when we're at these functions, you seem to be in, you do your stuff, and before you know it, we're seeing you with bags and stuff, and you're off to go and fly, off to go and do another shoot. Mm -hmm. So the thing I wanted to ask you first of all was, because I've struggled with this, was work-life balance. How on earth, because obviously you've got your home life, you've got your wife Annie, how do you balance that so that neither suffer.
2: That's a good question and it's in in some ways a little bit impossible to answer like in a you know completely accurate way because there's good days and bad days, right? There are times that you are out there and you need to be out there and you realize you've got you got to keep the lights on, you've got people depending on you uh and you have to keep working when you'd rather be home obviously. You know, Annie's fantastic because uh she's wonderfully understanding about it Uh, and she also comes with me she is now she left her job at Adorama she had been at Nikon for 12 years and then she ran the professional division at Adorama Camera and it was kind of a brutal commute getting from where we live into New York City and we kind of flipped a coin and said why don't we do this and so she works with the studio now so now she has a, a really flexible schedule I mean she works incredibly hard you know weekends and stuff like that we're always chewing on what we need to do next but it means she has the access to coming with me and traveling with me. Mm-hmm. And she's also orchestrating things for the studio and on those things, she has to come. And I said, look, you gotta be there. You set the whole thing up, you know? If I go by myself, I want not know what I'm doing, you know, which is a perennial condition for me. But um, yeah, I mean, it's always a hard thing because photography wraps itself around your life in very personal ways, right? Mm what you shoot what you anything visually you create is part of your imagination it's part of your heart you know that's on your sleeve you know your sympathy for the human condition your understanding of the world your point of view all of that very intensely wrapped around your personal core as is your personal life obviously so um yeah i mean i grew up in a a, you know shooting you know for many years for the national geographic for instance and there were a lot of unhappy kind of relationships there because of the stress of the travel you could draw it straight back to that you know and uh, I I was divorced you know Uh, uh, my ex-wife is the director of photography the New York Times and you know she is about to retire herself she's a brilliant picture editor um but it wasn't the only reason you know um that we that we split apart but certainly it was a contributing factor and then you accept the fact too when you're when my kids were young you know I I um did, I, I didn't make a lot of birthdays and stuff like that, so you have to kind of come to terms with that, and that's always kind of a, a moving line, right? You know, some days, okay, I realize I have to do this, and I'm okay about it. Other days, it's like,
0: good lord, what am I doing? You yeah, know, um. it's my wedding anniversary today, and I'm set. Yeah, and I'm I'm sat in Orlando, not at home, because I like you know I've now had the ability to to teach at an event that. Andrea knows the years that I've put in to get into getting to this point where I can stand up and teach rather than be the attendee. But she, knows, she knew straight away when the dates came up, she's like, oh, you're going to be away for our wedding anniversary. But I know you need to do this. So it's fine. So buy me something nice. Last year, I went to Photoshop World. I got delayed in Atlanta. I missed my daughter's ninth birthday which she constantly reminds me of <laughs> every single time I'd like to say, least you can't do that she goes, Well you forgot my you weren't here for my birthday. Oh, God, but yeah. just early on for me, those two things, it's yeah. like if you you need to be yeah. able to have that and it not be a problem, yeah. then it'd be oh fine, they're more important than you which I've seen people suffer from and it kinda of crushes me. a little bit. Photographers need a very understanding mate, you know
2: husband, wife, whatever, um, they need to, uh, b- because photography is so elastic, right? You know, it, it, it's sometimes you're stretched so thin because there's so much work. Other times you're waiting around and, and there's nothing there. It's, uh, yeah. And so there's that and it alone is tension producing. And then when you've got the work, You've got to be able to look at your mate and say, and they have to understand, like, I know, uh, you know, we had tickets for the ball game this weekend or something like that, mm-hmm. but I really got to work, mm-hmm. you know. That's why, you know, uh, I, I don't know if anybody's ever done a survey of photographers that they just don't buy concert tickets, you know. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they don't plan stuff like this because they think, yeah, what's the point, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, it's an uncertain life, but... You know the the best thing about your life is that you've got this wonderfully supportive, you know, structure at home, I'm and, and you know, and yeah. that if you don't have that, you know, um,
1: then it becomes a really hard slog. I, I definitely count my blessings with my missus because I've had, regularly had friends say, "How how are you doing that by going away so much? Why isn't Anne ever with you when you come in?" But I, I never really, I never bring Anne on these kind of trips, and she's not to be honest, with you, she's not really interested in yeah. coming on because it is work. I mean she's never I mean we're in America now. She's never been to America, but she says I'd only want to come to America when you're not doing the training. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm off doing my stuff. What what is she gonna do? And people say, Why you know, why don't you bring the
0: wife and kids? Because my girls are eight and ten. They're kind of that that perfect age now for Disney. But it's but I want to go to Disney with them. You know, as much as they come, they're not gonna see me. They're at Disney. I'm you know, wandering around the halls doing what we're doing. Sure. But it's, that's not what I'd want in that kind of travel. I'd rather just come as a family holiday. And, and you know, we booked a holiday. We have, we take one holiday a year with the kids and we just go somewhere nice and spend the day, go and visit castles and stuff. And we went and booked a holiday for next year, a week away. And then Scott announces the, the dates and it's the week we've booked on holiday. And, you know, and, and Andrea's like, she doesn't want to cancel the holiday, but she understands. She, I said, what do you want to do about the holiday? She said, well, you know you're teaching now,
1: so that's got to be the thing that you do. But that's where we differ, though, because I kind of think that like way in advance now, you know the dates, you've already booked the holiday. Yeah. I just think you the holiday. I mean, just talking about you there, sort of saying you, you know, you're busy. A lot of those things you've missed out on. You said that you know because you were working so much. I, I think when you've got that choice and it is like, in the future, then you wouldn't necessarily. Holiday, that's the good thing is I can book a holiday somewhere else in
0: another time. But it's like you say, about buying concert tickets and making plans and then something comes along. It's now, in the early days when I was doing it and I was traveling to Photoshop World, it was just purely as an attendee, it was as an evangelist and networking. And you know, and Andrea, would. this is when the, the girls were even really little and it's like, why are you going again? You know, you're not earning money from it. But now, five years on, I am earning money from it. And she's seen that, those years where you have to do all that traveling and you might come home with a $100, $50, you know. Now you do it and you're coming home with a little bit more and more experience than she sees on social media. Like, oh, people know who you are now and people are talking to you. Yeah. But with kids, and I, I remember seeing your presentation at um, the photography show in Birmingham. Okay. And you, you showed, was it a picture of your kid where you had her for the day and she ended up getting... Oh Lord, yes. Wallets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she. It was at Disney. Yeah.
2: Um, she wanted to be a torpedo, so she, or a submarine, or something, and so she pushed herself off the bottom of the pool and was kicking furiously to the surface without her hands in front of her, and she had her eyes closed, and she went at an angle, and she just propelled herself into the side of the pool, and massive shiner, you know, swollen eye, and of course, you know. <laughs> Yeah. it was i think it was my first vacation as a divorced dad oh, no. And, you know, I had had to take a picture and send it back to her mom, you know, and (laughs) it wasn't a good moment. It really wasn't, you know, I mean, you know, and she was cool about it. And then, of course, I had to walk around with her at Disney for the next few days. And, you know, and all these parents are looking at me like, oh, my God, what have you done to that child? Oh, geez. Yeah, no, it it is hard. You know, the the little ones don't understand. They don't. and you can't expect them to, yeah. you know. But like what you guys have done, and, and I thoroughly respect this. You've done a build. You've you've worked at this for a while to, you know, get that critical mass that you both need to to teach, to shoot, to prosper, to have a a, a tribe, an audience, you know, out there who responds to what you are doing. And that is a slow build. And you know, thank goodness, you know, you, like Dave, you're saying your wife understands that, and. It's part of, part of this business. People who get into this business and think they're just going to rocket to success, yeah.
1: they're in, most of the time anyway, they're in for a rude awakening. Yeah. But a lot of that, I think, has probably come from social media, hasn't it? This instant, they want instant rewards, instant gratification, without all the work that comes, comes to it. It's, yeah. Hey, uh, Joe, how do I get to shoot for National Geographic?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they're talking to a man who's spent like 30 years in the industry and still no guarantees... Sure. And it's, well, well, so what camera do you shoot with? What, what do I need? Because yeah. they just don't see the work ethic anymore. I, I,
1: I did a thing yesterday. I did, um, in the evening, they had that the, the going pro panel. Uh-huh. And uh, there was me and, and, obviously, three others who were presenting here. And one of the guys in the audience, because, obviously, you know, they, they throw questions out, and want to what are our opinions on it? And one of the guys said was, when do you make the decision... When you're kind of like, as a hobby, you're getting better at it, when do you make the decision to kind of say, right, now I want to do this full-time? And I I consider myself a bit of a realist, and I was saying, look, whatever you do, don't kind of say, right, there's my full-time job, that's gone, I'm not going to be a photographer. But one of the guys who was on the panel with me said, if you want to do this, you've got to commit. You must commit, don't play at this, don't be doing it in your spare time, just commit, get rid of the job and get on with it. Mm. Uh, And because there are so many people who want to be photographers... I just want to get your thoughts on that. Because, we, you know, we see them here. They're in our classes. And you can, you can almost see the frustration in their face. That they're just, I want to do this for my living. How on earth can I do this? What would your take be on it? Would you say to somebody, commit, get rid of your job, blah, blah, blah? Or, or do a slow yeah. blend?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think given the economics yeah. that photographers face nowadays, um, uh, I, I would say a slow build is yeah. probably advisable. Um, Though I have, you know, uh, you know, spoken to people who have just like cut it off and said, "No, I'm going to do this," and I admire that as well because, I mean, there is a sensibility, and I've, you know, I, I have had assistants come in like prospectively to hire or something like that, and and I, I'm a big believer that once you once you start doing this, this is all you can do if you want to get good at it. And they're like, well, I, I write screenplays and I do some poetry and, uh, you know, and uh, I'm training to be a sommelier. And I'm like, and I'm like I don't feel like slapping them. I'm like, dude, if you want to get good at this, this is all you can do. Yeah. This is a very single-minded pursuit because no matter how good you think you get at this, it will still raise up and kick your ass. You know. So once you are in the mix, you gotta be relentlessly focused. But I think the economics of, uh, depending on your own personal situation, do you have kids? Do you have people who are depending on you? Or are are you a a lone ranger right now? You're a young guy maybe, and all you need is a a 10 by 10 apartment or something like that, you know? That's a different life station, you know? But if you are 35 and dissatisfied with your job as a lawyer or something like that, and you wanna jump into photography, I would, I would do so in a, in a gradual fashion, you know,
0: it, it really depends on your life. Even now, I've been, I left school at 16, I've been working for 38 years, mm. and I've had a full-time job for 36 of those years, and the only time I didn't have a full-time job was when both my daughters were born, and I took six months off with each of them. Mm-hmm. I was able to go freelance as a designer to kind of keep some money coming in, but I had some money from a house move, so that kind of backed us up, went straight back to work. And when I moved, when I left my job and moved in with, with my wife when we had our first child, my next job that I got was half the salary I was on from the job I'd left to move down with her. But I liked the security. I always knew that I had X amount of money coming in, and then if I could supplement it, great. But I like the stability of the job, and I've worked in a quarry, I've worked in an engineering workshop, I've worked in a print, I used to repair print machines and photocopiers. I've never always maybe done the job I've loved, but I've got a lot of life experience from it. But even to this day now, I've got a full-time job. And when you come to places like this, people just assume that this is all I do. But four kids, I've got one at university, I, I can't put them through that first month where, you know, when I say to people, I'd love to go it alone. But if I go alone, I want th- I want a year's salary in the bank before I even do it. Because when the work's not coming in, I need to have that safety net. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids not being able to go to a concert or something because daddy can't afford it this month because, you know, I didn't get any work. I'd hate to put, put them through that. So. I'm a work, you know, a full-time employed person, and then I do this as a, as an on the side thing. And it, the and I've got the balance right. You know, it's half term this week. The kids are off school. My wife's taking them around everywhere. So you know, an anniversary today. I'm here this
1: week. I've had. Is your day. wedding anniversary
0: today? Yeah, seven <laughs> years. My kids are eight and ten. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> but I've had to take vacation days from my day job to yeah. be here and then and then i go to a convention next week for work which i will be paid again and, and have days but that's the balance i have is i know some people like like me will do that and others like you say will have to look at the the blend of coming out yeah but i don't see that as a failure for me or or a weakness it's just that i know those it's, two little girls are it's responsibility yeah it's
2: it's a sense of responsibility and you you know, and that makes you the person you are. You know, um, but as I say, if you're if you're a young guy, you're fresh out of school, and you know. You've got <laughs> you've got a pet goldfish, you know, I mean, yeah. and that's the only person that's depending on you. And then maybe yeah, yeah. maybe you can take a chance at that yeah. point. But what you mentioned, having a year's salary, like Drew Gurian um, was full-time assistant yeah. with us, and he's doing quite well now, and he's made a go of it. But I know, you know, Drew's really smart, and he was conservative, and and so when he left our studio, I know he had... Um, you know, kind of a, a, a backlog that he, you know, and he could weather that storm. Yeah. Or like a nest egg kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that is an important consideration because this is an expensive little monster of a business. You know, buying the gear, uh, insuring the gear, uh, insuring yourself. You know, in this country now, as a freelancer, buying health insurance, it's, insurance is our second biggest cost you know beyond like our mortgage you know it's it's nuts we have a um uh you know staff of four at the studio and uh we pay or we we buy insurance for you know myself well um annie and Callie are on staff quote unquote so we have insurance costs for that and that's something you have to factor in it's Mm -hmm. it's not just this giddy sort of like oh a magazine's gonna um pay me $5,000 to go do this. Now I can go buy a D5. No, out of that 5 grand, you've got taxes, you've got payments, you've got, you know, food on the table, and yeah. by the time you turn around, you know, $5,000 doesn't sound like much anymore. Yeah. You know. Sure.
1: So, all right, so so moving on then. One of the things we always like to ask, it's like like we've done a load of interviews, um, loves and loathes. I kind of we mentioned this at the breakfast table. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is just free run. This is Joe uncovered now, right? <laughs> so, so let's start off with a positive.
0: <laughs> and if there's any abruptness in the audio, it's because we did cut something out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, what do you um, what do you love? Sounds so corny. What do you love about this industry? And what do you do? Let's start off on a positive footing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know,
2: I, I mean, I'd be tempted to say, it's not completely true, but um, did you ever see that movie Almost Famous? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, he, when the young journalist finally corrals the rock star and gets his interview and he says, what do you love about music? And the rock star dude looks back at him and says, everything. You know? And I could say that about photography, yeah. if you just want to refer to photography. Um, I always say this, I'm a, I still am in love with the sound of the shutter, you know, and I'm in love with the thrill that you get from that when you know that that shutter sound just trapped something yeah. mm-hmm. that you really wanted, that there was a moment there and you got what you come for a piece of your imagination or a slice of life or whatever it might be, whatever your intent is. And that to me I still find to be just a, a wonderful almost heart-stopping event and it doesn't happen all that often you know uh, those really good pictures are they're few and far between those really powerful things that you want to just hang your hat on yeah. a lot of make work stuff a lot of good stuff this and that the day-to-day grisk of staying alive as a photographer that's all fine and I still enjoy that as well but that that thrill of a good picture still is with me cool. you know um, what about loaths? Well, this is what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we had one last week just in the sense of the logistics of being a photographer, facilitating, you know, <laughs> staying alive, sustaining that ability to have that thrill out there. You have to have a superstructure or, or a base or a foundation, whatever you want to call it, and that relates to the business aspects of, of this. And the business aspects of this. At least occasionally are absolutely horrendous, mm. you know we got a job uh, request last week for a big um, you know uh, local but big pharmaceutical you know kind of outfit, and they wanted like six setups and uh, meeting shots and headshots and all the photoshop and all they wanted to put on the table was seven hundred and fifty dollars for the whole thing you know and Lynn, my studio manager, has been with me for twenty seven years. The two of us look at each other and just. You know, your shoulders slump at that point. You know, it's like, what about becoming a photo editor or, you know, a photo administrator or whatever at one of these outfits conveys to you or necessitates that you just don't understand basic math anymore? You know, can you add, you know, and realize that this is utterly unrealistic? And I've actually said to people, I said, you know what you should do with that money? Um, You should take it and donate it to uh, a high school photography program. And then get a bunch of those kids to go do your job for you. They'd be enthusiastic, yeah. you know, you know, and uh, and see how they do because that's the level of expertise that you're that you're paying for. Yeah. And you live and die with the quality of whatever they produce, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you know, of course, that <laughs> I've thought of some other things to say too. But Annie, we can bleep them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you son them up. You know, just like you just want to scream into the phone. Good God Almighty, you know. Um, So we, you know, I've gotten a little more calm about it. I shrug and we move on, Um, because that's that's just an idiotic request, you know. Was
0: that a request because they looked up a local photographer, or was that a request of, of we'd like Joe McNally to shoot? Do you think they understood who they were asking?
2: No, I don't think they understand, under, would understand anything about the range of photographers that might be available to them. We're on a listing, we have regional listings, we, we participate with an outfit called Wonderful Machine, and they do, just do regional listings and this was, I'm, I was regionally available, you know, and, and I'm sure that was their primary consideration, obviously, was get somebody local so we don't have to pay them to travel. Yeah, Or get somebody that we don't have to pay at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So you just want to, you, you kind of rage against the machine at that point. And, you know, but you know, at the same time you don't stop because uh, A there's nothing else I know how to do and I don't think I'd love anything else yeah. you know, uh, the way I love this. So yeah, uh, I mean we hang in there. It's, it is a bit of a roller coaster but those high moments are really, really strong. And now that, you know, that Annie's working with the studio, we can share a lot of that together. Mm-hmm. That's become a really beautiful thing because... Because
0: um, she's a good photo- photographer in her own right.
2: She's, she's got uh, a good eye and, uh, and she's got a, a wonderful sensibility about the business and she is, you know everything you would you would want, a, a good advisor and confidant, and then we also have fun. I mean, we were just talking about the fact that we take a vacation in London, you know, we get on the top of the double-decker bus, and, and it could be cloudy or rainy, and everybody else is downstairs it freezing. <laughs> yeah. <be>. oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. It <laughs> is cloudy. Okay, so we're in the UK, and it's cloudy and it's yeah. rainy, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, everybody's downstairs, kind of huddling downstairs, and Annie and I are running around like a pair of idiots, you know, with cameras, oh, look at this, That's cool you know we're still a pair of kids together and and i still feel like i'm courting her and and that's like that's something that we share together that's really powerful so
0: that's nice actually you saying that because that's like that's a word i still use courting Mm -hmm. is that you if you can still have that fun like a couple of kids and giggle and go somewhere and just let your hair down and enjoy it then i think that is where you're getting the balance right because i know people who've yeah, you know, they work hard and then when they go on holiday, it's not, it's not a holiday, it's just a week of resentment in private. <laughs> 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 it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I've spoken to people, they've been like, you know, we needed the holiday, we went away and all we did was just like, we didn't relax because it was, you know, going over every, all the things I've missed and not done. And then, oh, you know, when we get back, you're off to, oh, it's yeah. all right for you, you're off to. Yeah. Um,
2: that's an easy thing to introduce
0: to a photographic relationship if your partner
2: is not really understanding because yeah. that level of resentment is <clears> like, oh, oh, yeah, so you're on expense accounts someplace having wonderful meals and, you know, and, and you know, you have, to, you have to have a spouse who understands that. No, no I'm, I'm out there trying to get back to you and I'm busting my ass so that I can come back and actually relax for a couple of days so we don't have to worry about the bills you know
1: so yeah. how, how do you deal with the the whole fame thing Joe because it's, it's folks listening they kind of hear the, you know, the name Joe McNally and it's like oh god you're known everywhere and all this kind of stuff obviously kind of almost alluded to it then that when that you've had that job request come in or that kind of uh, potential job request when they clearly didn't know who you were by the ridiculous quotation but when you're when you're kind of around these kind of functions here how, how do you how does the whole fame thing within the photography industry sit with you?
2: Mm. Well, I don't, I don't subscribe to it at all, mm-hmm. to be honest. And, and you know, I, I realize that I have a certain level of reputation and, so know. and you know, okay. yeah, I, I guess, you know. I, um, and I'm not just being self-deprecating here. It's just the way I am. I try to resist that because I, I've seen photographers crash and burn for no other reason than rampant, unchecked ego you know and I think that's a that's a sickness you have to avoid because uh, photography is a great uh, leveler you know it'll it'll you know cut you right off at the knees if you're not careful so we've seen folks um, who have uh, kind of subscribed to that maybe cult of ego if you wanted to call it that I really desperately, try to avoid that I try to downplay it makes sense right because if you're in business right what's one of the first things you do with a client you try to manage expectations yeah right and if anything as a photographer I try to undersell like we might be able to do this we might and and you have to be the same way about your personality and your presence you know it's like you know if if your accomplishments are real in this industry or just about any other industry you don't have to talk about them at all
0: because
2: mm. they're real. It's folks who have got the, you know, the flimsy sort of or ephemeral kind of uh, glancing blow with, you know, some measure of recognition who f- feel a desperate need to fan those flames. Yeah. Um, perhaps. I mean, I'm not making judgment calls on anybody. We
0: either. did an episode called Award, The Award-Winning Photographer and pe- people hang a hat on I'm an award-winning photographer, and then you look through their site, there's n- no, you, c- you can't find what award they won. We yeah. said it could be cycling proficiency or 25 meters in a swimming pool. It, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you've, if you've won, uh, who was the photographer you said? No, won the Pulitz, Pulitzer Prize. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pulitzer so Prize, you know, Oscar winning, Pulitzer Prize winning. You know, the, the, the award is the name of the, of the award winning. And yet so many photographers feel like I have to add award-winning to my site. And, and we did a fake ad. We actually made a fake ad for it and played it at the beginning of, one of the episodes. And, and it was quite rife in the industry where people are so desperate to just... Um, I, I like. I show Glenn a clip. There's a film called World War Z with Brad Pitt. And oh, yeah. it's about the zombie. World War Z. World War Z. Sorry, I'm in America. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a scene in the film that, for me, is like any industry and social media, is where there's this, I think it's the, it's a wall. Um, It might be Jerusalem or something. yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the zombies, they're running at this wall, and then they just end up climbing over each other, and they're going up and up and up, and when they get to the top, they all just fall off the other side. There's nothing there, but they're running, they're all just running at this wall and climbing over each other, and then when they get to the top, they just all fall into their death. And sometimes it feels, for me, as... I enjoy photography as a hobby but not as a profession is when I sit back and watch some of this stuff it is sometimes like they that's all that's going on and they're not enjoying the sound of the shutter mm-hmm. they're not enjoying that moment kind of it's culture. I've got to be there I've got to get to I've got to get to the top as quickly as possible and then ah poof, and then the next one's come along ah poof. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah uh, I mean it, it's it's and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, um, guilty as charged when you're a young photographer and I saw this with the crew of folks I kind of came up with, you can be, you know, you can be full of yourself. You're ramped up, you're, 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 you're eager for the next job, you're full of hubris and, and you know, and, and you can be a complete asshole, you know, and that has been true probably of every, everybody at some point who has picked up a camera. But over time, that's one of the benefits of getting a bit older perhaps, is that you kind of realize that it really doesn't matter. You know What matters is at the end of the day, have I been honest in my dealings with people, have I treated my subjects well, did I work hard, did I fulfill my obligations, and then did I go home and, and be a good husband and, and you know those, those things. I had a professor in school and, and he died last year and he, was, he turned the whole Key for me, photographically, Fred Demarest, and he allowed me to become part of the Syracuse photo program, and he was a good teacher for me at at, that I desperately needed at that time, and I revered him, and uh, you know we lost Fred this year, and you know couldn't be too sad about it. He he was in his 90s, but you know wonderful man and i said at his at his funeral I, I had done his picture about a year or so before he passed on and and that picture was up next to his yeah. casket and i just said you know fred taught me about s stops and shutter speeds but much more than that he gave me life lessons of patience and mm-hmm. and wisdom and just how to conduct yourself because he was just a very decent man yeah. and that is the best thing you can do in this business is just be open have an open heart um, you know, I'm I'm in my sixties. You know, I mean, you know, I'm looking at you know my career for the most part is in the rearview mirror. Yeah. There's young people coming along who are phenomenally talented, and that's part of the reason I enjoy teaching. I I, I like to watch that. Yeah. You know, and you have to be open to that. If you're competitive with it, you're going to come out on the losing end of it.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask about glad you mentioned the teaching because I know you do workshops, and we've discussed workshops before. And it's something Glyn used to do is quite often when I talk to people and they're like oh, I've got to work, I've got to work, I've got to work but you start to see a transition now where how much the percentage of your work how much is photography and how much is teaching now then that has that percentage in, increased over the last few years because like you say you, you want to teach the next generation and I know you travel around and you, you still shoot but you still teach is that something you just Learned to enjoy, or you naturally found yourself teaching and thought, actually, I, I quite like doing this more.
2: Well, it's, it is fun. I, 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 I got thrown into teaching, in a very perilous <laughs> situation. the The main photographic workshops called me up, and um, William Albert Allard. It was a iconic photographer with the National Geographic, cowboy photographer basically. Bill always wore a cowboy hat and boots, and and uh, just a You know, one of my favorite photographers of all time, he had a bail on a teaching. And they said, would you fill in for him? I'm like, you know, and you just get so nervous. And I agreed. And you know, I didn't know that the people would accept me or, you know, like they wanted Bill Allard. That's who they signed up for. They weren't going to get Bill Allard, you know, but it ended up going pretty well. So I thought, all right, you know, sort of, sort of fun. And then um, this, I I never could have imagined back then that this whole workshop industry would evolve to the size it is now, you know, destination workshops, you know, and as people have kind of retired out of their regular occupations and maybe they did well and they've got, you know, some income and they wanna travel and they wanna go back to maybe what was a first love photography or something like that. So yeah, I enjoy the teaching aspects of it. Um, I would say as a mix, um, you know, completely, uh, um, you know, on the financial end of things, the, the shooting is what keeps us afloat, yeah. you know, because that uh, will return to us, you know, a, a better support than, than teaching does, yeah. you know, to be sure. But teaching is definitely a mix. Sometimes the teaching actually goes on longer than the shooting. You can do a commercial job, and, you know, and it's over in two days. Mm-hmm and the return on that financially is far more than would be teaching for a month. Yeah. You know. So there is that scale sort of thing. Yeah. But I do enjoy the teaching and it also enables me, um, and I'll show this later on today when I, when I, I, I have a lecture, um, sometimes a workshop will create an opportunity for me to generate work. Because the workshop will float the expenses of me getting to some place. Yeah. And like I just went to Cuba and I ended up doing uh, 10 days of shooting down there for Nikon. But I went to Cuba on a teaching visa for the Santa Fe Photo Workshops. It was a, as an American, to go to Cuba, you have to have a, what's called a um, people-to-people exchange visa category, which means that you are providing a certain level of benefit for the Cuban people. Okay, yeah. And um, you have to sign disclaimers. You're not involved in pol- politics and this and that. I mean, it's such a mess. I don't understand it, but, you know... Um, so I went in on a teaching thing. I taught for a week, had a good time, and then immediately segued into, into a, a full-blown shoot. Yeah. So sometimes it can work like that. It can be, they can feed each other. Yeah,
1: yeah. So on the, on the back of the teaching side of things, and obviously you do stuff or you have done stuff with um, Kelby One. Or like, how did the relationship come about with Scott Kelby? How did that happen?
2: <laughs> well, you know that's an intensely personal question. <laughs> <laughs> Scott and I saw each other across a room, and well, the rest is uh, you know probably not for the. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Scott used to come regularly to Moose Peterson's digital landscape workshop series. Yes, and Scott and Moose were good friends, you know, to this day, and. Um, Moose invited me along on these things. They were called DLWS. And I'm not a nature photographer. I don't know a, a pigeon from a hawk, you know. But, um, you know, I thought Moose had me along for comic relief. And so I gave a lecture at one point, And Scott was in the back of the room. And he came up to me and he said, Dude, you should write a book. And I was like, Oh, you know. But that opened the door and um we started talking about the book and then I came to a photoshop world which I I had no idea these photoshop world Sorry conferences existed is
1: that the moment it clicks? is that that book you're yes reading? yeah, yeah. Right. yeah.
2: Okay. yep <laughs> and so I uh, you know encouraged by Scott I I uh, I sat down and started writing up stories of certain pictures and found that I kind of enjoyed that enjoyed that because I went to school to be a writer okay. um you know that was my original intent at school to be a journalist and uh and I found, you know, um, and Moose, of course, you know, Moose being Moose, like for about a year there, every time I would see him, he'd look at me and go, where's your blog? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, how's this? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he kind of pushed me and pushed me. And then so I started writing a blog and I found I enjoyed that. And that really became a gateway to this whole social media thing because, well, if you have a blog, then you should have a Twitter account. And then... Instagram came along, etc., and we found ourselves in the mix of this uh, uh, this particular end of the market or, or this world that we all live in. So uh, yeah, and I started coming to Photoshop World and then Scott launched the video division. You know, he realized he had to make a move because there was a lot of competition so he started the whole video teaching thing and I was one of the very first video teachers for him. And uh, I always remember <laughs> the, the, the day, you know, Scott was pretty nervous because this was a big deal that we were going to and he said, look, I have this model for you. And then, of course, the model didn't show up, you know. And so he said, don't worry, uh, my sister-in-law, Debbie, and Debbie's yeah. a beautiful person, you know, wonderful, and has, had modeled for him. She's going to come in and she's going to be fine. Um, and sure, he wasn't. sure enough it was and Debbie's on the set and Scott said, okay, well, we're just going to roll the camera and, and just do what you do on a regular shoot like in New York. You know? And I said, really? That's what you want me to do? And, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, just like that. And okay, roll the cameras and I said I turned to Debbie and I said, okay, lose the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I said to her, oh, and Scott sorry. was like, "No, no, no!" <laughs> you know. it so back home.
1: <laughs> it
2: was hysterical, you know. Um, and I said, "Oh, no, all right, all right," you know. I said, "Shut," you know, Scott. That's this is what we do in New York, you know, on the, on the, the studio, you know, in the fashion <laughs> thing, you know. Uh, we we were just we were sending them up pretty good. But uh, but that started another yeah. aspect of the relationship. You know, yeah. video teaching was something that we, you know,
1: hadn't really done. Yeah, you know. I remember there was, there was one um, when I was out there doing a, one of the classes. The guys, the, the video guys, Steve and uh, Juan, and what they were talking about when you'd been there. I think it was literally like a couple of weeks before you'd gone out there to film a particular class, but the weather was. Chuffing awful yeah. and then you had to kind of adapt it and then all the outtakes that you had when you when you, do you remember doing that they did like a b-roll footage of you going and F <laughs> in this and everything that they were crying yeah. laughing about that And it ended up being a completely different class kind of like shooting in shitty weather or something like that wasn't it? You know when the weather doesn't behave kind of thing. Yeah. That yeah. was funny. That was funny yeah. No, we always try to
2: that. that's the thing about teaching if people feel that you're having a good time doing it and showing it then they'll have a good time in your class. Yeah. I've, seen, I've been in some classes where it just feels very uh, workmanlike. And then you have to put the light over here. Yeah. I'm like, eh, dude, you know, and I riff all the time too. That's what I enjoy about teaching. Because at this point, that's the, that's the thing about, again, getting older is that, you know, I just don't, you know, if I fail, if I create a bad picture, I don't give a sh. you know. <laughs> I really don't, you know. I mean, uh, it goes up on the screen. I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work. You know, um, but you have the backlog of, of experience and you know prior success that you have the confidence to like try something. And, and my assistants will always roll their eyes because we'll be on stage in front of a few hundred people at you know at some point, not anymore. We don't do the tour things for, for Kelby anymore, but you know, it'd be 500 people in the audience. I said, Well, let's try this, and Drew would be like we haven't really tried that before. I'm like, I don't care, <laughs> let's give it a try. Yeah. And they just roll their eyes and say, oh,
1: here we go again, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we have an adventure. That's what, this is about. That's what I hear from, because uh, I know that there was a good few years ago now, you came over to the UK and you did something, I think, at the Islington Business Design Centre. You did like a, it might have been a Kelby thing, I don't know. It was. I think, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't go to that one I because I think it was my anniversary and we were away and I was speaking to people who had been to it and I was kind of saying, because obviously I kind of knew, you know, I was kind of saying, so what, how was it? What did it go? And, and I mean this in the best possible way. Nobody said, oh my God, his pictures, they're incredible. Nobody raved about that. But what they raved about was it was really interesting hearing him thinking out loud what was in his head to try and problem solve. And that's what people were learning from the most. And I think that's something that the fact that you say there, you are prepared to just go in there this is me, oh, we've made a mistake, right, how can we fix that? Because how how do you learn when somebody just walks in and goes, click, hey, check it out, right, let's do something else now. Nobody's going to really learn from it. Because
0: a lot do that, where they walk in and go, hi, everyone, this is who I am, and for the next three hours, I'm going to show you how good I am (laughs) and what I've done. And it's not a teaching moment. It's a blow smoke up my own ass moment and say, that's why I'm standing up here and you suckers are down there and I'm taking your money and moving on.
2: Yeah. Oh, God, it's, yeah... I mean, I have the assistants. I always get. A, I always run a really collegial set, and you know, I go to Santa Fe, for instance, and teach. And I, I was out there once with a, uh, one of the studio assistants, who's still a good friend, and he told me one of the very big-time photographers came out there to. And the very first thing he said to the class, before he even said hi, my name is. <laughs> No, 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 no. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We can't bleep that <laughs> honestly. Feel free to uh, say it. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he looks at the class and goes, none of you will ever shoot a good, as good a picture as I will.
1: Oh. I just, mean, like, okay,
2: yeah. so what are we supposed to do now? Just put a gun in our mouth? Or, you know, um, you know just, you know, like, okay, so you're beautiful and we're not. or you know, What, what are you trying to do to people? There, Scott actually told me this. At one point, we, we were mutually in the back of the room, and there was a kind of a teacher like that. And Scott just turned to me and said, see the difference? He goes, he's there for him. Yeah. When we're when we teach, we're there for yeah. them, yeah. 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 and that's a big difference. Because some some yeah.
1: teachers just get up there and want
2: to stroke their own ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You do see that. That's a big difference I noticed when I first started teaching here was how, I mean, Scott sort of says, you know, I, I pick the best in the world, and I, I, he doesn't necessarily mean when it comes to the likes of you know self and whatever they don't mean. They're the best photographers in the world. It means that these are the people who are they're good at what they do but they're doing it for the right reasons and they're able to portray that and and explain that. And I remember, because you go go to events in the UK especially, you kind of see people on stage. Once they're on stage, they are gone. It's it's like dust, you know, the stage is sort of like lectern spinning as they're gone. You never see them again until the next presentation. Mm -hmm. But here, you would regularly see likes of yourself, Dave Black, and just in the corridors, just talking to folks. And that was something that people took away from it yeah it is the fact that you know what what i what I, what I love about yourself is the fact that there has been i've never experienced this here's the stage Joe and here's the off stage Joe do you know yeah. what I mean and we, we do see that with these personas yeah. we kind of mentioned somebody who's got frizzy yeah. hair yeah. earlier on that there is two <laughs> but I'm not going to mention their name <laughs> that there is a difference between them and they're performing and yeah. what they really like but what I like about yourself is you are what you are you yeah. see, what you see is what you get that's i think But I think
2: photography really teaches you that because if you put on airs or you are false or ego driven or your subjects sense that too. I think if you want really sincere, like I do a lot of portraits, if you want a sincere comeback from somebody, if you want somebody to feel comfortable in front of your camera, you have to be comfortable with them. You have to break down barriers. And you have to kind of get right in the mix, you know. And like I I did a thing last year. I just self-assigned. Nobody paid me. Um, I found a private coal mine um, because you can't work with the big outfits because insurance and everything else. But small private outfit in southeastern Kentucky, and I went down there with a a friend of mine who made the arrangement. He had been a coal mining photographer many years ago, and uh, and I photographed. It was all guys, uh, I photographed the men um, before they went into the mines and after they came out of their shift, you know. And it was this studio portraiture, I, I put a black drape up in the shed outside the mine, the mouth of the mine and I just I just shot portraits and um, shook their hand and made them feel, you know, you because know, in America now coal is highly politicized. I didn't want any of that. I just have always respected hard work Yeah. and I'm curious about it, you know. And uh, I've worked in mines in a variety of places, but never in America. So uh, I did this, and I didn't ask anybody for a release. No. Mm-hmm. And I made sure that the mine got um, all the all the men got eleven by fourteen. I uh, shot black and white, yeah. And uh, so eleven by fourteen, black and white, and then did group shots. And I made sixteen by twenties for the uh, mine owner. And all that stuff is on the walls now in the in the like the lockers or the, the the office areas and stuff like that. And it got back to me through my friend who made the arrangement. He goes, "Those guys really like those pictures. You've got to welcome there anytime you want to come back down." Us. And so I'm going to, and this is not completely altruistic, you know, I'm going to go back down and I'm going to see if I can push a story a little bit further. Yeah. And and it might take me a while. Things percolate, you know. Things will be two, three, four years in the making. Yeah. You know, I made a proposal to uh, an Olympic sponsor last year for the 2020 Games. So I'm working on stuff that's three years out because yeah. you have to, you know, uh, let things germinate you realize that you know certain proposals are going to be rejected if you ask people for money it's going to take a long time to get approvals you know and and uh, I mean we talked about it earlier people calling up just it reminded me when you were saying that earlier Dave about people just saying oh you know you know what kind of camera you got and then I'm going to be a good photographer. I climbed the Burj Khalifa tower and um, it took three years for me to negotiate it's a lot measures. of steps then <laughs> <laughs> and he was like where the f- <laughs> oh my god you can imagine you know and, and you know going to the bathroom up <laughs> yeah. there and everything <laughs> yeah. um but it took three years for me to get permission to do that yeah. I negotiated back and forth back and, forth. and nobody paid me to do that and I finally they finally kind of said okay you know, with your social media thing and the fact that you've climbed the Empire State Building and this and that. And so I finally got up there. And I, I, I can't tell you, um, well, it wasn't that many. But, you know, one in particular I remember uh, just was like, um, Joe, can you, can you just give me the phone number of who I have to call to go climb that tower? Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's something I need to do. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like you think to yourself, really? Seriously, dude? You know, this is like work. You know, they're not going to let you up that tower. Yeah, oh, i right. know. Jim McNally. Yeah, you know, I mean, God.
1: That makes me think what we talked about at breakfast. We I mean, said so the over-familiarity thing. Because mm. you get that, right? You get some people kind of t- tell us again what you said about that. You know, when you said because you, you've had your, uh, you said you had your legs operation on your legs are sort. You know, yeah. And then com- kind of comments that you'll get. It's just it, it is mind-boggling sometimes, isn't it?
2: Sometimes, yeah. Kind of, it's a little bit discouraging because you want to get. Up and ready, you're at a conference or whatever, and you're you're nervous and you you, you know you're going to go up there on stage and I, uh, one thing i I will say you know is I, when I get up there, I work hard, mm-hmm. you know, and then the first thing you hear is you know from somebody who doesn't even say hello doesn't know you and say, Wow, you're limping I'm like would that be physically or mentally, sir? Um, <laughs> you know because I kind of do both depending on the day, you know, um you know, and you try to make a joke out of it or something like that, but like you know seriously, yeah. you know um not the the most wonderful thing you can hear and you know when you're about to get on stage in front of a bunch of people because yeah. i you know, you can get very self-conscious about it too. You know, and you're up there, and you feel like oh, you're dragging your leg behind you or something like that.
1: It's that. It is that. I think so, obviously social media is is part of that. People feeling they know you more than they know you. Yeah. And it kind of makes me. I'm not name dropping here. Oh, I've. But got I, to, I, I've got. I've got. But I am going to name drop it. Right. Say okay. Say. Well, I a few years ago when Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor. Name dropping. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he came over with what I was doing at the time. I got a call to say, "Can I look after him?" Basically, when he came over, and he was a childhood hero of mine with the bodybuilding. So this was like, "Oh my god, legendary!" So I got to meet um, Arnold. I can call him Arnold now. Um, <laughs> we're like, you know, we're like that. So I get to meet him off the plane. He comes into into the airport, and I'm the only person on the jetty. Nobody else is with him. I'm thinking, "Oh my god!" And I'm thinking, "I'm going to meet my hero." You know, I'm not a kid now, but I was proper like a little kid. I remember the plane pulled up to the jetty, the plane doors opened, and I'm, my heart is racing. And then nobody's in the doorway, and then he came out of the door. And you know that thing on Terminator, right, the film Terminator, when he's kind of chasing Sarah Connor around that hospital, and he kind of turns, the shoulders turn around the corner. He did that as he's come off the plane. I'm looking down the jetty, and he does this, this turn. And I kid you not, in my head, I heard. Do-doom, do-doom, do-doom. and he's come up and shook my hand and this kind of stuff but anyway we then go walking off and he wanted to go and do a bit of shopping so we're walking around the shops and you can see people doing this double take of like rather than oh it's a famous person it was like a, oh my lord it's, look who it is it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and there was people who were going Arnie hey Arnie welcome to the UK Arnie and he was completely blanking them but the minute somebody said welcome to the UK Mr Schwarzenegger Thank you very much, it was, that's very kind, yeah, it's nice to see you, it's great to be here. Mm. So there was that I could see that over-familiarity thing, because people have grown up knowing Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. and they referred to him, Arnie, and I thought it was really interesting. He wasn't rude about it, but it was, you know, he kind of said to him, do you, do you, is that what you do? He said, well, you know, you, there, is a, there is a level that you don't cross until, you know, just a bit of respect, if anything, yeah. not to shout out, Arnie, you yeah. know. No, so Joe, do you get
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> so i i just want to it's really quick i won't name the i won't name the the famous rock star but uh my older brother's really good friends with a with a really well-known rock star and a big band uh that isn't mick jagger or ronnie wood and uh and alan was saying uh i was fortunate uh, fortunate enough to go and join the tour they did around 2007 2009 the bigger bang tour and uh and alan was working with them and i went out and I've got access to all areas. Like, You know, I'm sitting in Keith Richards'... Oh, shit, I said his name. Sitting so <laughs> I'll, I'll be clear. <laughs> yes, right. So, I oh know, it's Keith Richard. So I'm sat in his dressing room, and, you know, and there's the total respect. You know, people will give their lungs and their arms and their children to be in the position I'm in. And I know my brother, and the kind of person I am, I have respect for everybody, and respect for the environment and the situation. And Alan was saying, like, again, if you go to a conference, speak to the people on the door. You sure. know? Because they they matter just as much as anybody else, and be polite. And that's all. He, that's one of the big things he taught me. And he said he's seen people come into that environment where it's like a friend of a friend, and they've walked in because they've got access to all areas. They can just go straight up and manhandle and get all in their face. And uh, and it's it's known that Keith sometimes may keep something on him for protection. And he says somebody saw him like this guy came in and was too much and they saw Keith reach for his back pocket and they got that guy out of there so quick and it was that whole thing right I'm in the environment I friend friendship and friendliness are two different things and people mistake friendliness for friendship and it takes them that step closer and he said you could see everyone in the room being a you got to get this guy out of the room and b the person who got him in the room is never going to be bringing friends again because there's the re- you've got to respect and you've got to think who you bring into the to the thing and people are coming up and manhandling you you know you might be aching or got off a flight and they're all Joe eh. man and you just yeah. want to punch them in the face.
2: <laughs> no, but the but the watchword is to always always be gracious. And just you know try your best to be gracious even if you know I feel like you feel like crap and you just want to go to your hotel room you know because. You know, you, you put yourself in the shoes of folks who have come here, you know, for instance, yeah. to, to be taught by you guys, you know, me, whatever, you know, that's, they've interrupted their lives, they've spent money, they have aspirations, you know, they, they're really here because of a passion or an interest, and uh, that is to be considered, you know, to be sure. But, yeah, you know, sometimes you just kind of say... I do need to go to my hotel room, you know, and just kind of be alone for a while and collect my thoughts. Because
1: I don't know about you guys, but before you teach, I just need some alone time. Oh, totally. Yeah. No. I actually need to get prepared for the class as well. Yeah. With the best intentions, I think I should be prepared months in advance, but it's always the last minute kind of getting yeah. ready. And yeah. But yeah, I do need some time out, definitely. Yeah, you just need the hour to get away from the day of the... How are you? What are you up
0: to? When did you get here? What's the weather like? You know, have you acclimatized to the time difference?
1: You you you're having the same conversation all day, you just come up here, peace and quiet. Just you need to get, yeah. get into that zone, don't you? Because I and I before a class, people see me before a class, and I am, you know, I'm up with it. Hopefully, not you know, I'm mute, and I am pacing around just to try and get myself into that. And yeah, people want to speak to you, you. Go, oh yeah, very good, thanks. But you kind of, no, I've got to get into this right frame of mind here because you've. Well, you're basically, you're, you're kind of, you're here for them. You want to make sure you do a good job, isn't it? That's, sure. that's the kind of way it is. But sure. Especially yeah. now the pressure's on, you know, because if you suck, you know, somebody's in, the, somebody's in the
2: back of the class, you know, tweeting, uh, it. tweeting yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> <so that's not laughs> before you're yeah. even before you're even out of the door, yeah. it's out in the world like, oh, you know, it's
1: like, yeah. you know, yeah. just god-awful class today, man. That guy's a dipshit. Listen, I've, I'm, I'm conscious of time, you know, yeah. Uh, We've all got classes to go to, and Joe, I don't want to keep you for too long. I just wanted to ask you at the very end here, what's your (laughs) favourite (laughs) F-stop? I'm glad you asked me that
2: question, Glenn.
1: (laughs) Let me take about 20 minutes and go through some of the, you know. yeah. Uh, No, listen, I... um You know, eternally grateful. I really am, uh, I I bless the fact that we've got this relationship and this industry has kind of brought us together. This is my corny bit, but I am, I'm generally grateful for that. I am as well. I really appreciate it. We both said, and he, maybe you don't want me to say it, but we both like
0: get a real thrill out of, if we've just posted like, you know, posted something randomly and that notification comes up that Joe McNally liked your tweet, we get a real thrill because you're a friend. It's not like, oh, that famous person like me. It's just we know how busy you are and, and just taking that moment in a day that you've looked at something we're doing and, and you're like, I like that. It means a lot to us. That doesn't mean to so say you have to go and do it more yeah. now, but, yeah. Yeah. but we appreciate it. I've got lots of screen <laughs> yeah. grabs. Yeah. But but retweet in the podcast.
1: No, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no I definitely, guys, let me know when, when, we, uh, when the po- podcast goes up and, and out there. You know, unless it's already been live, it's is this already yes, on the internet? Now <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 See that I restrained myself <laughs> for the last. I clean with <laughs> f- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: just. F- you know, what are you going to do? Just, you know, <laughs> I want to use this, but where? <laughs> yeah, blue. Listen, I uh, have Joe. I think we better call it a day. Thank you very much, Joe.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys.
2: Thank
1: you guys. Appreciate it. So we'll just kick off then. I'll sort of say, so Joe, who are you? Okay. All right. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first outtake in the first 10 seconds. <laughs> and we're off to a promising start. <laughs> Joe, who are you? <laughs>